For me, it really stemmed from a love of animals. So I, the first reason that I decided to not eat, um, not start eating meat or not start eating uh, fish was stemmed from a love of animals. So that was first, that was a catalyst. But later on, it turned into also, once I started learning about how great it was for your health and how great it was for the environment, it kind of just solidified the deal for me. So, it, so now I can, I guess, honestly say that when I see beef, I don't just, you know, I, I don't just see a cow. Now I see like so many gallons of water and, and so much land use and, and so much uh, methane em emitted into this planet that we are kind of, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer, but kind of destroying. And it's, um, and so now I, I see all of that stuff. And whereas when I was younger, I, I would just, I would just see a cow. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today, we are joined by April Cunningham, confidence coach, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Influencer. Lawrence Rassall, the weekend chef, also known as The Artisan. We're so excited today to welcome a special guest, Miss Jenny Kumar from The Vegetarian Carnivore. So welcome, Jenny. Glad to have you on the podcast with us. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And of course, our interest in you is vast, but I want to start with the thing that probably captures my attention the most, which is the very provocative name of your Instagram handle and your website. What does the vegetarian carnivore mean or where did that come from? So the vegetarian carnivore, it's a very deliberate, um, it's meant to be jarring to the people who hear it. And it initially came from me hearing from um, incessantly, right, from a lot of people around me. Oh, how do you eat without meat? How do you, how are you not like dying of protein deficiency? How are you not basically living or basically enjoying food, enjoying life. And, and so I was like, well, whatever you can eat, I can eat without meat. So that's where the vegetarian carnivore comes from. It's that it's not that I can't eat chicken wings. I can eat seitan wings that taste really, really good. So that's where the name comes from. It's kind of meant to be a surprise for someone who hears it and be just unforgettable. Well, and it's kind of like what I get when I hear um, the jealous vegan and, um, and how your logo is a pork chop. It's kind of, <laughs> it doesn't go together. Right. So it's, um, it's memorable. I'm sure April is pleased that both of those things are, are her, are her brainchild. She definitely <laughs> wants people to stop in their tracks, as you described, and think a moment before passing up uh, the opportunity to hear our message. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because people get rather, they seem to be rather stuck on the idea of like, what do you mean don't eat meat? And then they ask all these questions. It's like, if you just slow down a second, you can actually answer these questions for yourself because mm -hmm. plants are everywhere. So I love, I love that about your brand name. Um, that it's subversive, which is what we were aiming for too, so that people would 
You're like, I don't understand how these two things go together. And, you know, with Instagram, the age of Instagram and some of these other platforms, it's the scroll factor. You have to scroll, slow people down Mm -hmm. um, in order to get their attention. So totally get it. We are we are aligned in that way. Yeah. And likewise, uh, it's clearly an oxymoron to be uh, to use the term a carnivore in the same sentence as uh, a vegetarian. Um, But again, I think it serves the purpose as April, as well as you, Janine, to where people will just, for the sake of curiosity, will appear uh, into your page or to your site uh, for the purpose of finding out what exactly uh, are they talking about. So good job. Thank you. Yeah. So would you say that your mission is to uh, kind of prove the naysayers wrong or introduce people to a different way of eating? Or both? Um, Both, actually. Yeah. So initially, I started out the vegetarian carnivore as a blog to share my recipes, um, my colorful and delicious and, you know, kind of like a, here are all the great things you can do with plants. And, and it really turned into me wanting to um, turn it into my brand name and my business. um, When people started asking me, I don't understand all these things. Can you help me? And that's when I decided to be like, all right, I can, I want to help people. Like I want to, I want to be a nutritionist. I want, I want to coach people um, and turn this into more than just a few recipes here and there into more of a um, kind of like a lifestyle um, where every choice you make, every food that you decide to eat is a conscious decision rather than, you know, um, what's in this, what's not in this. It's kind of like a, you make a choice every time you eat. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, so is this a choice, a lifestyle choice that you've made recently or a long time ago, or tell us a little bit about your story. So I was raised, um, in an Indian household. Um, I'm born and raised in America, but my heritage is from India and I was raised as a vegetarian and, um, I didn't really understand when I was in school, like why people, other people were allowed to eat a hot dog or a hamburger during snack time. And I wasn't allowed. And my mom said, make sure this doesn't have, you know, X, Y, and Z in it. If they give you chicken nuggets, make sure you say no. So, I mean, I did all of that, but I didn't really understand um, why. And then when I went to college, things got really difficult for me because the dining hall food was just pretty gross. And, and so that was when a lot of my friends um, decided to start eating meat because the vegetarian options just weren't that great. And so that was a point that I considered. It was kind of like a pivotal moment in my life when I deliberately, deliberately chose not to start eating meat because it just would have been easier at that point. Um, That was when I, you know, saw some documentaries and read a lot of facts. And and I decided that it was just not something that I wanted for my own health and for the animal's health. I love animals so, so much. And, and the environment, it's devastating for the environment. And so that was when it became a conscious choice rather than a, this is how it's always been in my family. So I'm going to just do it. That's really interesting. I love to hear that because I think a lot of people Um, I think we, I don't know if we've talked about it publicly, but as a group, we've discussed how um, the way that you eat is somewhat akin to a religious choice. Mm. And so a lot of people, it's, 
like that's what I've always known. So that's what I'm going to do. And then when they are confronted with like you in their early 20s, an opportunity to do I do I keep going to church or do I do something different? You said, hey, I'm going to stick to this. But it sounds like your choice is more ethical and environmental than maybe just a familial connection. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah, I applaud you for that. I'm sorry. I just want to jump in. I applaud you for that because it's, I mean, that would have been easy, right? For you just been like, I mean, I'm in college. I was, I was in college. I remember dining hall food, just like you said, was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're stressed out and you're working all the time and you're trying to get to study group and blah, blah, blah. It just would have been e- so much easier. And I think that's the thing that we talk about here as a team is that it's just so much easier to do what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. than it is to change a habit, even though plants are abundant, right? It's just, mm-hmm. just so much easier. I applaud you for making that decision. And so young, right? You, this was when you first started college? Yeah. So like four or five years ago. <laughs> oh, Jenny, you're not supposed to tell your age. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment in here. Ooh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so let's say your late teen years. <laughs> My late teen years. <laughs> Wait, why should I supposed to tell her age? I don't know. Just, Everybody I, knows how old we are. I mean, generally. Uh, I mean, maybe not Lawrence. Lawrence? <laughs> He's looking at me like, what? <laughs> right, we're going to just, you know, one, moving. Just one moving. two, skip a few, as, as my friend Joy says. Okay, so, um, so that's good. So, I mean, I think you know that none of us are vegans, that we do subscribe mm-hmm. to the uh, philosophy that an abundance of plants um, makes your life better both in terms of sleep and, and um, absorption of nutrients as well as mm-hmm. uh, expelling uh, waste <laughs> and um, all sorts of ways that just plants are better for us than animals. And I think that we all share maybe some view of, you know, there's an ethical need and an environmental need and, uh, and different ways that we see animals just contributing to society as opposed to just with regard to, um, you know, bacon on your plate. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that um, someone, you know, again, grows up with this heritage, but then has the opportunity to make a choice, consciously chooses not to. So when you're, when you're, I guess, vegetarian friends were making a different decision, how did you just say, what made you decide, hey, this is, this really is the best way for me. And did you ever like have a couple of days or a week or two where you were like, burgers, french fries, and chicken wings. (laughs) So I have definitely, well, I guess to answer the first part of your question, it, for me, it really stemmed from a love of animals. So I, the first reason that I decided to not eat, um, not start eating meat or not start eating uh, fish was stemmed from a love of animals. So that was first, that was a catalyst. But later on, it turned into also once I started learning about how great it was for your health and how great it was for the environment, it kind of just solidified the deal for me. Um, so it, so now I can, I guess, honestly say that when I see beef, I don't just, you know, I, I don't just see a cow. Now I see like so many gallons of water and, and so much land use and, and so much, uh, methane em- emitted into this planet that we are kind of, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer, but kind of destroying. And it's, um, 
And so now I, I see all of that stuff. And whereas when I was younger, I, I would just, I would just see a cow, right? So now I can say that it's really everything that goes along with being plant-based. Um, all of those are a factor for me. As you were speaking, yeah, I was looking at Jen's face like, really? Oh, Janet, you don't understand. Jen is all in it right now. Y'all could geek out on the <laughs> methane and what's happening to cows and the water problem. Oh, my goodness. It's true, right? But and it's not a Debbie Downer. It, it is absolutely truth. And people, it's an, it's an inconvenient truth, right, mm-hmm. um, that we just don't like to accept. But it's a fact. And it's easy, especially now where we are as Americans, we are so distanced from where our food comes from. It's easy mm-hmm. to become numb to the suffering of animals and of the planet. Yeah. I think the other part of it though, is sometimes it's hard to believe that as an individual, you have the opportunity to cause change or create change out in the world, right? Like if I don't eat this burger or I don't eat this piece of bacon, like, is it really going to save an animal's life? And, And I think that a lot of people are stuck thinking that their individual choice will add up to making a difference in how, um, you know, the, the food, I, I hate to use the word warehouse, but, you know, however food gets produced in America specifically, um, if it changes anything in the way that they look at food production. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I read this quote once that, that basically said that, um, you know, if slaughterhouses had glass walls and everyone would stop eating meat. Oof. And, and, and I realized that, you know, that that's probably true. Um, you know, there, there are people that, you know, live on farms and they slaughter their, their own animals and they're okay with it. And then there are people that just go to the grocery store, the majority of us, right, who go to the grocery store and see that chicken breast lying around and saying, oh, okay, cool, this chicken breast just magically appeared here, just nicely packaged for me to go home and buy and... Um, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think all the time, like I want my food one step removed from me. Like I don't necessarily want to know exactly how it came into being that I'm, that's available for me to eat. Yeah. So, um, it, it's just disturbing. I saw some documentaries and I just, I didn't, you know, I, I like cheese. I do. I like how it tastes. And then I saw some of the, some of the documentaries and I was like, Oh God, I really wish I didn't see that. Hold on. I want to but, pop in here. What, what do you recall? What documentaries you saw that you, that changed, um, that broke your brain? I was, you know, scrolling through Facebook. I follow a lot of groups on Facebook and someone had posted a clip from one of these, um, from one of these documentaries. And uh, it was, I kind of forced myself to watch it because I don't think we stand to gain anything by pretending like this stuff doesn't happen or, or just kind of um, blinding ourselves. We're really just hurting ourselves and our planet and by, by doing so. So I, I sat and watched it and I, and I honestly, like, I felt like crying afterwards. I was like, this, this sucks. Like, I can't yeah. believe how our, this is where our food comes from. I really commend you for that, Jen and Eve, because for myself as well, uh, because I mean, just, saying it, it really supports, you know, what I've always felt, I should say, in the last maybe four or five years as far as the uh, the ethical reasons, the environmental reasons, all those reasons that you mentioned is the reason why I've gone plant-based myself. So the fact that, um, again, as April mentioned, uh, seeing food 
and not knowing, or Jennifer maybe mentioned, seeing food in the grocery store and not really thinking about how it got there um, is is really, um, it's it's a problem. And so the fact that you have really forced yourself to look at these documentaries or to follow different pages or different content um, to educate yourself, um, I find that remarkable. And you mentioned that you're still young, so I mean, we can't uh, ignore that. But the fact that you've done this consciously uh, in your young years is is remarkable. So I commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, there's a, I think we as human beings are, um, have this tendency to be really hard on us, hard on ourselves. And I think I'm going to veer off into a tangent here. So reel me in if I uh, kind of um, go off the rails. But so in seeing some of these things, I, this was kind of like a big part of, um, of my branding of my, of my business is to create this, is, is to create this kind of safe space um, for meeting people wherever they are already, because I see a lot of things on the internet about, oh, there's no winning with the internet. You know, you, you're, you're, you're there and you're on some page and it's like, oh, you're vegetarian, but you still eat milk. Cows are abuse. So you suck. Oh, you're vegan. Oh, but doesn't your, don't your shoes have a little bit of leather? No, you suck. Oh, is that a little bit of fur? Oh, you didn't know. You didn't do your due, due diligence. You suck. Oh, did you realize this has palm oil? You know, orangutans are dying because of it. You suck. So there's so much, you know, you suck <laughs> being hurled at you from all angles on the internet that I was having a really hard time finding peace with how with how my journey was going and and at a certain point I actually actively unfollowed some of these groups that I had previously really looked up to like I think I actively unfollowed PETA um because yes I love animals but the kind of things that they were pushing right at me it just it made me feel really really terrible and 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 so the so there's so much, there's, there's so many things that are extreme about people's views on the internet that um, I decided that I really wanted the vegetarian carnivore to be like a safe space for people, for me to meet people wherever they are at in their journey and to help them meet their specific goals. Like I'm not here to push a vegan, a vegan diet on them. I'm not vegan myself, but I am plant-based. I believe in the healing powers of plants and how they're delicious and how they can promote longevity and great skin, great hair, all this great stuff. And so I, I want to meet people in the middle and kind of be that missing link that I noticed on the internet um, regarding, you know, either you're dying of protein deficiency if you're vegan, so never do vegan, always eat animals, or swing the complete opposite way and be everything that people are afraid of when they hear the word vegan and they're intimidated by it even if they're like plant-based curious or like veggies curious and then they just like say okay well I I'm hopeless like I can't do this so I'm just not even gonna try which is like so sad yeah I I totally agree I think the internet has no chill like um but, (laughs) but there's a um it was something you said came up for me. I was recently at an event talking about clean beauty, actually, for women. And it was more so about the skin and how do you, I'm, I'm trying to do some photo shoots and I want to do it without, 
makeup, not quite Alicia Keys style, but very similar. I don't approach it, of course, in the way that I'm wearing all plants. Literally, I'm wearing plants. That sounds really cool. Um, but but I was there and there was a nutritionist there. And she she asked me, I said, well, I have two weeks to prepare for a photo shoot. What do you suggest? And she said, you know, eat plants or whatever. But one of the things she said was, um, if you're vegan, because I had mentioned that I'm plant-based, and she's like, well, then that means that you probably don't get enough protein. You need to make sure you eat more protein. And I was just like, hold on. Don't you need to analyze like my biology or something to tell me that I don't, do I look like I'm protein deficient? Like, why do you assume that I need more protein? And, and is that for my skin or does that some recycled wisdom to your point? Like if you're a vegan, then you must not get enough protein or B12. And then you need to go do these other things. To, it's just, it's just, it, we're aligned with you in this way too, because it's just right. like, why, why can't you just let your body determine and your body mm-hmm. will tell you, let your body det- determine what's best for you. I don't feel protein deficient. I go and I clank weights and I feel fine. Like I, 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 and so it's, it's, it's all these recycled stereotypes and really a lot of judgment. We talk about this on a previous episode, um, judgmental vegans, judgmental non-vegans, I think it is, um, on both sides, everybody's got judgment to hurl. Like, seriously, it's food. Like, why do we have to have all this dialogue about something that should be pretty effortless? Um, which is what mm-hmm. we like. And no one says anything until they find out that you don't eat meat, right? It, it, it's, it's no um, unsolicited advice until, until it comes up or something. And, and I also read this really interesting thing, and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit more um, the other day. And it was this, um, people will go on a keto diet and straight up eat sticks of butter for breakfast and bowls of bacon and no one says anything but you say you're plant-based or you're vegan and suddenly everyone's concerned that you're about to die of malnutrition really which one of those has less nutrition i'm i'm honestly at a loss for words here yeah don't get me started on keto everybody on this team knows that i will like go on a platform about keto but Yes, 100%. That's all. Just just, just picture my the emoji. 100 right there. That's all I think about that. I'm going to mute myself right now. Yeah. yeah. And furthermore, I mean, similar to other maybe documentaries or just case studies, um, the whole concept of someone, it was a doctor that said, you will never find, or I think the doctor said, he said, I've never, ever in my entire life uh, uh, practice or time of practicing medicine where um, I uh, treated a person that was lacking or deficient in protein. So even, but you do have uh, hospitals filled with people that are, you know, deficient in other things or perhaps are eating mm-hmm. too much of something else, but it's never protein. So I find it interesting that, like you said, Janani, that um, the minute you mention that you're plant-based or that you reduce uh, meat intake that all of a sudden you're deficient or you're sick or you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're just lacking something. So it's just refreshing to hear you say some of the things that you mentioned. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, to your point, uh, Lawrence, um, right. Um, people who don't eat enough dietary fiber, which is, you know, I read somewhere it's like 97% of, of Americans don't get enough fiber in their diet. That increases your chances of gastrointestinal cancers. And, and that's cancer we're talking about here. Like 
not getting enough plants in your diet increases your chance of getting cancer. But people well still somehow think that think that um, protein is the answer to everything. And actually, Americans are consuming um, almost double the amount of protein that is actually um, suggested by um, most dietitians and nutritionists. And um, so it, it's, it's interesting to me that people are, um, you know, kind of demonizing carbs and demonizing all of these, all these things that we actually need. I know people who are on extreme ketogenic diets that won't eat any fruits because fruits right. have carbs and fruits, you know, so there's definitely a difference, right? Simple carbs, complex carbs, don't want to launch into that, but not eating any fruits ever doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> No matter how how you look at it, right? I love exactly. what you said, and I'm just like, I, I, do I need? To, I'm looking at Jen. Do I need to say more about keto? Because <laughs> no, y'all, no, no, y'all know where I'm going, right? Okay. I mean, how to your point though? Yeah, I thought you used a really good phrase, Jenny, of to demonize whole food groups, right? And on certain mm-hmm. diets, carbs are demonized. On certain diets, fruits are demonized. It's just like, yo, it all comes from the plant kingdom. Everything in moderation, right? Um, and, and to your point, we we don't eat. We don't eat meat in moderation. If they, this probably wouldn't be a conversation if people had, you know, a better, a better way of consuming meat versus cons- assuming that meat needs to be in every meal. Mm-hmm, An animal needs to die for every single meal. That's not balanced mm-hmm. either. Yeah. yeah, I think you both hit on two really important points. One is that, you know, I think even though we're older than Eugenie, <laughs> I would consider us part of the... Wait, Mar- what? No. Oh, right. I'm, I'm sorry. Just out of college to all of us. Okay. <laughs> that we're all part of this microwave generation where we grew up where information, and especially now where information is like quickly available, people skim, they come to a conclusion without really having all the facts. And because, you know, different publications want to get more clicks, they're going to drive to the most extreme viewpoint in order to draw people in. Um, And so I think that leads to people maybe having less of the information they need to have a more balanced approach. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love what you said earlier about that, that your mission is to meet people where they are. And I think the jealous vegan is interested in the same, that we know that there are labels out there that would try to um, pigeonhole you into a way of living that may or may not suit your life. And maybe some of the principles of that label, um, can apply to you in a way that's positive, but let's have a more holistic view of what you're trying to accomplish and how you can do that in a very balanced and um, maybe, you know, ethical, environmental, and, you know, um, spiritual and even a loving way. Uh, And that's what we're trying to help people see. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was just curious. I'm going to switch it up a little bit as far as since the fact that you are uh, in the culinary world and, and you prepare dishes, uh, do you have any recommendations, any suggestions, or maybe some staples of ingredients that you use in plant-based eating or spices? I would love to hear, obviously, you and I share a common uh, uh, appreciation of food. Um, so yeah. I was curious if you had any uh, techniques that you'd like to share with the, our audience. Um, so one general thing that I, um, 
try to do every time I cook food is to include as much color from different places that I can. So very recently I made this, um, this grilled portobello, um, stuffed with, um, what was it? Uh, wild rice and it was, uh, kale and potato and, um, garlic and, um, some carrots. And it was, and I very consciously chose to include all of those things because you, you are attracted to eat things that look pretty. And the That's foods great. that look pretty naturally, not, not yellow number five, <laughs> but the foods. That uh, look yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to say that because Skittles says taste the rainbow. And I'm like, I like Skittles. They're good. They taste good. But, you know. Yeah, not that rainbow. Right. Not that rainbow. Not that rainbow. <laughs> Agree. Sorry to slow you down. Go ahead. I had to just jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was perfect. Eat eat pretty. (laughs) Yeah. So, and so when that was done, I I sprinkled some, um, uh, some plant-based cheese on it. I, um, and, and I, and I baked it and it was just this really, really, really delicious looking thing that I wanted to dive headfirst into. So that's generally what I try to do with my meals. I try to have something that's green and something that's like red or orange for beta carotene. And I try to have, I try to cook down my greens to make the iron more bioavailable for your body and um, iron and other, um, and the other micronutrients too. They're like blocked when they're not cooked. So actually your um, spinach, you can consume a much larger amount of spinach cooked down anyway. And it turns out it's actually a lot healthier for you than like a raw spinach salad. Interesting. Is that true for kale and and all the other greens as well? I'm sure it's true for kale. Um, Spinach for sure. Kale, yes. And I'm pretty sure it's true for a lot of other greens too, but I can't, um, don't quote me on that. That's interesting because, and and rather counterintuitive, we tend to think that raw vegetables are better. I mean, you have raw vegan also as a diet, Mm -hmm. which y'all know I hate diets, right? But um, (laughs) the idea that it's, everything's better if it's not cooked and nutrients Mm -hmm. are more sustained, but I'm curious. So, but you bring up a point um, and I've seen this in your feed um, feeds. I've seen that you have this specialty of, there's one thing on your site where you show recipes, right? You show this delicious Mm -hmm. food. Um, and then there's another piece though I've seen recently with you that you, you talk about the, like you had something on milk, I think it was, and it was t- actually talking about some the properties of milk and why cow milk or, or dairy milk, milk that comes from an animal is not good mm-hmm. for us. So you talk more specifically to the science of things and to the mm-hmm. nutrient density of things, which I feel like is a component you add. Um, do you, where do you get this the research that you where do you call this information from and why is this important to you? So, so with anything, I'm a, I'm a scientific person. So I, I, I respond to, to studies. I respond to large sets of data and, you know, and what they tell me, even if it's not something that I want to see or um, expect to see. Um, so I get these uh, uh, results as part of um from uh, from universities, from Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard studies, as well as um, 
um, like PubMD and um, studies conducted by the American Heart Association. Um, so, so these are um, research reports that are readily available on Google and they cite uh, international studies and they cite their own research and they cite um, sample control group sizes and how long studies were conducted. And, um, and so I, I like to include data like that because sometimes the, uh, the information that it gives you, people won't, right? If you, I recall that this post that I posted was um, how humans are not biologically meant to consume cow's milk. And so if I would, were to just say something like that, and not have some kind of a study showing, you know, you know, either confirming or denying what I'm saying. Um, I feel like I don't really have a leg to stand on because it's so ingrained in our, in our minds and our, our cultures that you drink milk for strong bones. You need milk. People who are lactose intolerant are the weird ones. So if I were to just come out and say the opposite is true is that the lactose intolerant people are the normal Dominant. ones, right? Normal, right? Exactly. The normal ones, right? So, uh, then I don't think anyone would heed what I had to say. But I think uh, you know, having a study by was this the one by was the Swedish study or or s some study um, uh, documenting the the progression, the evolution of this. Um, of this gene throughout many generations or lack thereof for some people um, that really helped um, people understand what I was trying to get at. Yeah. And I think that's important that we live in a world where credibility um, is definitely derived from citing sources that we believe to be independent. And especially mm -hmm. if you're pointing to an international community where there is no pressure from a lobbying group, like you might have, here in the U.S., not that all studies are, you know, I don't want to be the conspiracy theorist on the on the podcast today, but just the idea that that there's information that can that can help to solidify an argument that is relatively unbiased. I think it's important mm -hmm. for people to to know that. So I'm glad that you're spreading that message and getting that information out in the in the wild. And so, it's not always um, easy to data is always so difficult to interpret because you can have a study, you can have multiple studies that say certain things, but there's so many uncontrolled um, things that are not accounted for, like general lifestyles and all these things are just not accounted for. So you take this very small thing and you try to draw a conclusion based on something so small that you need a huge, huge sample group in order to um, make the conversation make any kind of sense. Yeah. yeah, which I love, which is what I love about the China study because it's like 20 years worth of data that they went and they accumulated to that point, Jen and I need to talk about these things. Mm. So uh, we don't want to miss the opportunity to dive into your culinary expertise, um, Jen and, e and Lawrence. So I think uh, since we're coming up on the fall season and people maybe are, are looking to transition from their summer tomatoes and um, cucumbers and other great and readily abundant vegetables. What are some of the things that you stock your pantry with for the, for the fall season 
And what are some of the things that you most enjoy making this time of year? We'll start with you, Jenny. Okay. Um, so for the fall season, I stock my pantry with um, pure pumpkin puree, uh, butternut squashes. Um, I, I prefer to buy my butternut squashes whole so I can kind of roast it or um, prepare it how I want. And I make this like really, really great soup that I, I can't wait to start um, making that again. I actually have a butternut squash sitting in my pantry right now, um, just like begging to be cooked. Um, I'm a pretty big mushroom fanatic, so I can throw mushrooms in anything. And it doesn't really matter what mushroom, portobello and or shiitake or cremini or oyster mushrooms and trumpet mushrooms. They're just so amazing. Um, and then you have the spices, right? You have cinnamon and nutmeg and like all the earthy spices that, um, that just add like a whole level of warmth and depth to, to your dishes. You wanted to say something there, April? Like yeah, I mean, I, y'all talking about butternut squash and all, well, you, Jenny, and uh, I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, yeah, okay, that sounds awesome. I have no idea. How do you cut the thing and get like the puree out? Like, can you, you or Lawrence or both of y'all like elucidate? Because I look at the thing when I'm in the grocery store and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got to taste the rainbow. But how do you cut the thing? I, I need some video, in fact. You know what? That would be awesome. Lawrence, Jenny, I need some video for the Insta feed so that I can have it to a girl. <laughs> That's where we I can do stuck. that. I agree. I don't I know what you're going to say, Jenny, but go ahead. I was just going to say I I go buy ahead, mine already uh, already chopped April, so I I understand. Like, oh, that's like I buy it already cut and then I roast it and then I like puree it after that. <laughs> well, I get it. The shortcut. So yeah. Sim- yeah, similar to Jenny, uh, I also a lot of the fall or we're on we're in the midst of going into the. The, the winter, but a lot of the root vegetables, a lot of the uh, the squashes, they're in season now. Pears are in season. Um, so, you know, I, I should say now you know that I try to buy according to season. You're going to get the best tasting of fruits and vegetables based upon the time of the year. So similar to Jen and the, uh, again, squashes, um, carrots, um, any root vegetable, kale, um, making stews and, and soups with kale and, and, and butternut squash and sweet potato. Those are always, you know, good for that time of the year. And to answer your question, as far as with the butternut squash, and you feel free to jump in, Jen, and he is, um, usually I, uh, I have a, a, a peeler. I will actually peel this. It's a really hard fruit, I'm sorry, vegetable. And you peel it with just the peeler and then uh, you get in there either with a cleaver or just a nice chef's knife to cut that sort of uh, butternut squash in half and scoop out the seeds. So it's, we, we can give you some pointers, April. As That's well all right. Jen. I think that Jen has the right <laughs> idea. I'm going to buy mine cubed. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> but it lasts longer though. Yeah, it lasts gotta... longer when you buy whole. Yeah. Put so. your back yeah. As long it. as you don't get like a little scratch on it and the whole thing just goes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. See, point, maybe yeah. see this? Yeah, Jen, you know what? We're all about efficiency, no? That's right. <laughs> I believe in shortcuts. So, sometimes, you know what? And, and I feel like, you know, like the maybe two, extra $2 that I spend to get it already cut up is worth the time and energy that I will save 
from having to go through that first step. So call me a cheat if you want, but I'm definitely going to take that shortcut until Lawrence like comes over and shows me how to do it. And then I'll be like, okay, <laughs> no judgment, Jen. I'm with you. So Jenny, you live in California, right? Yes. North or South or what city? North. So okay. I, um, so I currently live and work in, um, wine country. So, um, Sonoma. Okay. But, um, but my, uh, I grew up in San Francisco, like just a, a suburb, just, just south of it. So um, I'm a true NorCal person at heart. <laughs> I imagine that there are a lot of vegetarian and vegan options in your part of the world. Yes. So near San Francisco, yes. But in Sonoma, actually, no. It's, it was really weird. It's just one hour north of the city, like proper city. But when I moved there from my job, I was pretty disheartened to find like, you know, restaurants would have like sides. And I think we all have experience with trying to create meals out of sides and it sucks. And it's like, I eat more than French fries. They're delicious, but I eat more than fries. Oh, yeah, we definitely can um, sympathize <laughs> with that situation. Uh, so um, you, you mentioned your your heritage is Indian, which we've talked a lot about how ethnic foods tend to be more plant-based friendly. Uh, for, me, mm-hmm. for me, I feel like Indian and Thai are those two kind of things that I'll look for as, okay, well, I know that I'm going to be able to get veggies and a non-dairy sauce and maybe some rice or noodle that even as a person with a gluten sensitivity, I'll be able Mm -hmm. to enjoy. So what are some of the ethnic cuisines that you found have been helpful um, for being able to consume plants while you're out and about? So really any kind of Asian cuisine um, relies heavily on tofu, uh, coconut-based creams. And I just really love um, all Asian food um, to that extent. Um, You have... you, you know, so you have like um, sweet and sour chicken for like um, for uh, Chinese food, but the same restaurant that might serve that would serve sweet and sour cauliflower or sweet and sour tofu. True. And um, and so I actually find that there's quite a lot of um, options in Asian cooking as if you look at it as a whole, um, as well as obviously Indian cooking. There are a lot of vegetarians in India. And um, so you're never going to be starved of, um, you know, plant-based options if you are looking for Indian food. And even Mexican food to that, to that, um, to that point, you know, beans and rice and, uh, and salsas and tortillas. And it's just, I've never had an issue really, um, except when I went to Iceland, I had a bit of an issue, but um, even there, actually, I recently, um, a vegan grocery store opened up. So it's spreading, guys. It's happening. <laughs> Fire's yeah. catching. Fire's catching. Hold on. I, do, do, you're in San Francisco, did you say? Right or- now, actually. Yes, I am. Okay. Do you have a Cafe Gratitude there? Anywhere near there? No? Um, I am not sure. Okay. okay. If you find yourself a Cafe Gratitude, okay. April's the a big fan. Vegan team said, "Go in there and eat your uh-huh. face off. Everything is good. Everything is super good. Yeah, that was oh perfect. boy, yeah. 
And the second thing was Ethiopian, African food. Actually, we mm. have to throw that in there. That's a good <laughs> ethnic food for that's, that's plant-based. You, they can be curated in a plant-based way. Just wanted to pop that in there. Ooh. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good reminder. You should try that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know um, what the Ethiopian population is in Northern California, but here in the D.C. metropolitan, there are a lot of, um, I hate to, authentic um, spots that serve real Ethiopian and even other African cuisines um, that are not really meat heavy. So, you know, if, as long as you're willing to explore a little bit, I think there's there's mm-hmm. always an opportunity to to not just have French fries and sides, um, but to really enjoy a full meal with your friends at a place that caters to kind of all the layers of eating. So. That sounds great. I have yeah. to try that out. All right. Well, we really appreciate you joining us, Jen and me. Any last words, April or Lawrence? No. Yeah. <laughs> I always got stuff, but but we're out of time. Last word, Queen. Go ahead. Oh, oh there was one thing I wanted to ask. One more question I want to ask Jen and because she has this catalog of, of um, plant-based recipes. And I wanted to know, what's the one thing you would recommend our audience try from the catalog? Great question, April. That is Thank a good you. question. Good job. Thank you. I occasionally get one. <laughs> <laughs> I am partial to um, my roasted red pepper sauce, pasta sauce. It's thick enough to also be used as a salsa with chips. It's quite versatile. You can throw it over anything, and it's really, really good. My secret is nutritional yeast. It's great. I know what that is. I know what that is. I use it as well as the nutritional yeast in my uh, my faux mac and cheese that everyone mm-hmm. loves. So, good job. Good ingredients. Lawrence, Great. Can you, can you make that red pepper sauce for us, please? Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll let you know how it turns out, Jenny. Yes. Yes. Please do. And uh, nu- nutritional yeast, since Jenny is a nutrition buff, B twelve. You can get some B twelve. Hello, vegans out there listening. Supposedly, you'll go deficient in B12, not if you have nutritional yeast. <laughs> and a red sauce. Yeah, yeah, make this, this red pepper sauce with some nutritional yeast in it, yeast in it and uh, you'll practically be as good as golden. And if I'm not mistaken, I also used Ripple's pea protein milk, which is B12 fortified as well. Love it. Love the education piece. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. We'll, we'll definitely post some some photos and give some testimony on the red pepper sauce um, when we oh, yes. get this episode up and running for, for the rest of the world. That would be awesome. And lastly, I guess, Jen, I don't know if you want to ask this, but where can people find you, Jenny, or find your recipe catalog? You can find my recipe catalog at myveggiehacks.com. And you can find me on Facebook as The Vegetarian Carnivore and at The Vegetarian Carnivore on Instagram. Coolness. Audience, y'all heard it. Go check some recipes, get some nutritional yeast and uh, make that red pepper sauce. Send us a picture. We'll get Lawrence on ours. Send us yours. Definitely. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and and experience, Jenny. We appreciated the conversation. I did too. Thank you so much for having me on here. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us on social media at The Jealous Vegan on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, 
or at thejealousvegan.com and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content to support your plant-based journey. And until then, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.